daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to look at a great and important question. Who is the most hated political figure in America today? No, it's not Donald Trump. Of course not. Donald Trump has about half the people in the country who want to install him in the White House again. And no, it is not Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden seems so feeble and confused and, and so often today that it's tough to hate him. Um, when, when it comes to the most hated political figure in the country today, it's uh, somebody who could barely deliver a speech in Kentucky for all of the chance against him and all of the booing and all of the negativity that came from both Republicans and Democrats. This is bipartisan hatred. It's ironic that uh, this came out at the same time that the the video which has gone viral about what is called the fancy farm picnic. It's a Kentucky political tradition where generally there's a lot of uh, cheering and jeering and and uh, rowdiness and bawdiness from both sides and there are republicans and democrats there and they were all booing mitch mcconnell is that deserved 1-800-955-1776 our phone number uh we'll talk about that we will also talk about um donald trump's latest and why it is that the more he gets indicted and with brand new indictments uh, looming on racketeering charges, uh, this is in Fulton County, Georgia, uh, it looks like it will be a political bonanza for Donald J. Trump. Why does it work that way? Uh, we will talk about that. We will also talk uh, a little bit about stories from the world of sports where there was an incredible brawl. You almost thought this could be the Republicans and the Democrats. I mean, people who were really, really hostile. Uh, and the uh, Cleveland Guardians didn't look like they did such a great job of guarding their side from the Chicago White Sox and uh, all kinds of player suspensions because of it. And then why is somebody canceled for talking about how great his team is doing compared to the way it was in the past. Uh, we will get to that crucial question as well. And then also, is Jack Smith deranged? And uh, which popular figure has just passed the $1 billion uh, level? And by the way, no, no, we're not talking about Taylor Swift here. We're talking about somebody who may be even more popular. Uh, we'll uh, get first to the fancy farm picnic because it is so dramatic. And Mitch McConnell has had his health challenges. He's 81 years old. There's a piece in the uh, Wall Street Journal under the heading, Everybody Hates Mitch McConnell. And it's by Andy LaPerriere. And Andy LaPerriere is head of the U.S. policy for Piper Sandler and uh, Company, an investment bank. And he writes, it's been an eventful and depressing few weeks. Donald Trump was indicted again. Hunter Biden's outrageous uh, plea agreement blew up 
and some Democrats now admit President Biden is probably involved in Hunter's business dealings. And Fitch, ratings downgraded U.S. government debt. But my thoughts keep going back to when Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell froze before the cameras. Mr. McConnell, he writes, is by far the least popular political leader in America. It isn't even close. The real killer politics average shows McConnell's net unfavorability rating as nearly twice as bad as his nearest competitor. Most activist Republicans loathe Mr. McConnell because the conservative media attack him mercilessly for being a Republican in name only, a rhino. Democrats detest him because they believe he is a rabid and extremely effective partisan. But sometimes politicians are unpopular for the right reasons, he writes in the Wall Street Journal. Of all the people listed in the nearby table, Mr. McConnell alone never questioned the legitimacy of the 2016 election when Trump won, never questioned the legitimacy of the 2020 election when Trump lost. He never peddled the Russia collusion hoax and unequivocally uh, condemned the violent January 6th attack on the Capitol. And now appears age is catching up to Mr. McConnell, 81. And he goes on to say that McConnell, based on traditional standards, is the most effective politician on the scene today. But uh, when he spoke at the fancy farm... Uh, it sounded like this. Clip 11. Thanks to the Kentucky State Police and local law enforcement who are keeping folks safe this weekend. Now, here's, here's the challenge for the police. Here's the challenge for the police. With the shutdown governor in charge, I'm sure state troopers are just glad to be on church property without having to tag the license plate. Okay, he's uh, speaking right in front of Governor Andy Bashir, who is facing a very tough challenge. He's the Democratic governor of Kentucky, who's being challenged by Daniel Cameron, who, uh, a a and it's a close race, very close race. Daniel Cameron is that, uh, the first black attorney general of the state of Kentucky, who did just a superb job at the Republican convention, if you remember his speech. And uh, Governor Bashir is sitting right there, and uh, McConnell, being a loyal Republican, is going after him. But the, uh, <laughs> the people in the crowd are chanting, retire, retire. They were just chanting before you couldn't, if you couldn't hear it, lost the Senate, lost the Senate. Uh, this continues with the uh, McConnell speech, clip 12. We're up against folks who'd rather let repeat offenders walk free than get tough on crime. I'm glad Governor Bashir finally decided to come to Fancy Farm. It's been the first Saturday in August for 143 years. But Andy only seems to make time for you all when he's staring down Election Day. Retire, retire, and then finally they have Ditch Mitch as their chant. It sounded like this. And turn the country into a socialist nation. Biden and Bashir aren't working for Kentucky. And he might as well be on the White House payroll. 
and it's high time he was honest about it. Okay, uh, the uh, columnist in the Wall Street Journal, Andy LaPerriere, says uh, Mr. McConnell built the Republican Party in Kentucky from the ground up. He recently broke the record for the longest-serving party leader in the Senate, uh, eclipsing Senator Mike Mansfield's 16 years. He has been the most effective Republican in Washington since Ronald Reagan and the most effective U.S. Senator since Ted Kennedy. Some say he's too partisan. That may be fair. Some say he should have criticized Mr. Trump more often. Maybe so. But part of surviving in politics is avoiding self-immolation. He is attacked mercilessly by much of the conservative media because he's willing to lead and govern. And that means uh, agreeing to unpleasant compromises. His even greater offense is that he has standards. And uh, then he concludes this column by saying, neither Mr. Biden or Mr. Trump are likely to take the political risks necessary to tackle tough and controversial problems. Fitch was right to downgrade the U.S. debt and probably underappreciates the rot in America's political system. Even the old standards for evaluating a president, integrity, competence, experience, seem antiquated. Partisans in both parties want their leaders to put tribe over truth. Until that changes, Mitch McConnell will remain the least popular political leader in America. But, at least in his point of view, uh, one of the most admirable. Check out a long list of history shows at MedvidHistoryStore.com. This is The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, we played on uh, Friday our, our history program about the history of third parties <laughs> uh, with Cornell West uh, running and, and according at least to some polls, taking three, four, five percent. It could go higher than that. Uh, Cornell West, of course, very telegenic, uh, very radical. A black scholar who's taught at Harvard uh, and and Princeton uh, and Yale, I believe. Uh, but in any event, uh, he he could take certainly easily enough votes away to uh, end the uh, Biden administration. Uh, and if not him, it could be whoever ends up running on that no labels ticket. If they do have a candidate who runs on that ticket, uh, the the idea uh, that we were talking about about Mitch McConnell is you've heard me speak warmly about Mitch McConnell before because when it comes to getting things done, for instance. I do support and uh, do admire very much the tax reform that was written by Paul Ryan, supported by President Trump when he was president, and uh, guided through the Senate by Mitch McConnell. When it comes to actually getting things done, uh, the guy 
is fairly remarkable, but they have here uh, a a chart that went along with this column about everybody hates Mitch McConnell about um, uh, where he he ranks in terms of positivity versus negativity, and he is thirty six points negative in terms of net approval ratings. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was nineteen points negative. Uh, Donald Trump is 18 points negative. Kamala Harris is 16 points negative. Can you believe that Kamala Harris is less negative than Donald Trump? Well, she is. Uh, less negative than, uh, way less negative than uh, Mitch McConnell? Yeah, she is. Uh, and, and you go on to Chuck Schumer is minus 12. Now, these are not good ratings. I mean, we don't have good ratings for our politicians right now. Because our politicians are less than inspiring. There's even a, uh, a little bit of a soundbite that I find it sad rather than alarming, though it's alarming too. Okay, here's the background for what you're about to hear. Uh, President Biden plans to designate today a new national monument that he has established, which he can do under the National Monuments Act of 1904. He's established a new national monument north and south of Grand Canyon National Park to preserve Native American cultural sites and to protect the region from new uranium mining. Biden will also use his northern Arizona visit to draw attention to a $44 million investment from the Inflation Reduction Act in climate resilience across the national parks system. Uh, the President of the United States, leader of the free world, sounded like this, making the big announcement. Grand Canyon, one of the Earth's nine wonders, wonders of the world, literally. Think of that. Or, you know, it's amazing. Okay, uh, usually people talk about the seven wonders of the world, uh, the... And, and usually the, the wonders of the world that people talked about were things like the Library of Alexandria or the Colossus of Rhodes or the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the ancient wonders of the world, the things that human beings built. And unless you be, believe that space aliens came down and actually built the Grand Canyon, uh, no, it was a natural development. And uh, with all of this, there is nothing but bad news for Joe Biden and for approval ratings. And the one thing you can say is that uh, people are waiting for the next shoe to drop or for the next deal to try to come through or the sentence to try to come through or further investigations by various congressional committees regarding Hunter Biden. But Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and all of the testimony about the sheer sleaziness of the Hunter Biden situation, it hasn't helped uh, Joe Biden at all. And Peter Baker, who's a fine political writer for The New York Times and not a conservative, uh, notes how there's only one prior president in modern history who's gotten approval ratings that are comparably weak to those of Joe Biden. This is clip nine. Listen. 
the one indicator that's not changed is his approval rating and, in fact, his his competitive, uh, you know, status against Donald Trump if he's a Republican nominee. Our poll that was Siena College last week found that the uh, president's still at that 39 percent approval rating. I think the average on 538 is around 41 percent. That's the lowest of any president at this stage going back to the history of polling except for Jimmy Carter. That didn't work out well for him. <laughs> Uh, no, it didn't. It did not work out well for Jimmy Carter, who ended up losing in a landslide. What's fascinating about that is it really was a Jimmy Carter loss because many people who look at the two Reagan landslides where he won with um, uh, over 400 electoral votes both times, the second time he, he carried every state except for Minnesota running uh, against uh, Walter Mondale, the former vice president under Jimmy Carter. And uh, now, uh, with with Trump getting more and more indictments, it's not a question of Trump being so popular. It's a question of Biden being so profoundly unpopular. I mean, and and it's not just Biden. Uh, it's also the potential successor to Biden, Kamala Harris, whose poll numbers are even worse. Clip 18. Trickle down economics, that'll work for working people because you see the benevolence of the, of the wealthy <laughs> will trickle down on the rest of us. That's where that trickle down economics theory came from, right? That was what that was about. Well, there was no trickling. It didn't happen. Uh, what's so ridiculous about this is that trickle down has always been used by Democrats as a way of condemning uh, Republicans, and maybe they they like that because of the association of trickle. Well, well, there was no things. trickling. Yeah, no trickling. Uh, meanwhile, it, it, there's there's some uh, uh, trickling away of uh, support from uh, Ron DeSantis and some big news uh, about uh, uh, Biden's campaign. This is the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, there is some big news regarding uh, two of the more formidable challengers to President Trump for the Republican nomination. Uh, number one, uh, Ron DeSantis, for the first time, was unequivocal about the idea that Trump actually lost the 2020 election. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because Trump hasn't admitted it yet. Uh, Trump does not believe that he lost the 2020 election. Will they argue about this in a debate, uh, which is uh, two weeks from tomorrow night? Uh, and no, it's really soon. It's coming up. Yeah, it's August 23rd. They are debating in Milwaukee. Do we know whether or not President Trump is going to be there? It's assumed that he won't, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll find out. The other thing that is very significant about the debate is that uh, Mike Pence has had a struggling campaign. He's had a, a great deal 
of positive publicity in, in regards to his personal courage and personal courage involving actually facing down rioters who said they wanted to hang him. And, uh, and by the way, Mark Meadows commented apparently that uh, he thought that President Trump probably agreed with some of the people who are hanging, say, uh, saying, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, uh, let's lynch him. Uh, President Trump has been more patronizing toward Mike Pence than anything else. And it, uh, you'll remember when we had Vice President Pence on the show, I, I urged people to, to go ahead and send him a dollar or a five dollars just so that he gets on that debate stage because he is a historic figure who it seems to me deserves it. Well, he made it. Uh, it was announced today he got the 40,000 different contributors across the country who sent in donations. Uh, former President, Vice President Mike Pence's campaign said he is qualified for the first Republican primary debate on August 23rd after passing the 40,000 donor threshold. He already fulfilled the RNC's polling requirements to make the debate stage. Pence is the eighth candidate to qualify for the debate. So he will be there. And, of course, President Trump is qualified for the debate, but it is unclear whether he wants to be there or not. Uh, concerning DeSantis and uh, the... The idea that it's supposed to be such a significant milestone that he acknowledges that um, that he acknowledges that uh, uh, President Biden is legally elected as the president of the United States, but it kind of shows you the state of our politics that this is even a controversial issue within the Republican Party. Amazing, isn't it? Here is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, admitting the outcome of the presidential race in 2020, an outcome that we've been living with now for two and a half years, for goodness sake. Uh, this is uh, Governor DeSantis, clip 10. Yes or no, did Donald Trump lose the 2020 election? Whoever puts their hand on the Bible on January 20th every four years uh, is the winner. Okay, but respectfully, you did not clearly answer that question. And if you can't give a yes or no because on whether or not Trump lost, then how well, can of course, you... No, of, of course he lost. Uh, Trump lost the 2020 of, election. Of course. Okay. Uh, Joe Biden's the president. But the issue is, I think, what, what people in, in the media and elsewhere, they want to act like somehow this was just like the perfect election. Okay, and then he goes on and he talks about uh, things that were wrong with the election, uh, things like the changing the uh, the way that voting and mail-in ballots would be handled at the last moment. But uh, the the idea that uh, this is almost surely going to come up on uh, on uh, uh, two weeks from tomorrow when they actually meet uh, on <laughs> on the debate stage, I, I find that extraordinary. And uh, th there is also Mike Pence, who was on Fox News, who is speaking a little bit more firmly in terms of his opposition to some of Trump's 
uh, insistence that the election was stolen uh, than he had before. This is uh, uh, Mike Pence on Fox News, clip 16. It wasn't just that they asked for a pause. Uh, the president uh, specifically asked me and his gaggle of, uh, of crackpot lawyers asked me to literally reject votes, to, which would have resulted in, uh, in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives and literally chaos would have ensued. So, oh, Martha, I just, uh, people, people can read the indictment. And frankly, I, I, I've said before, I, I had hoped it had not come to this point. You know, I, I don't know if the government can meet the standard, the burden of proof beyond reasonable doubt uh, for criminal charges. But the American people deserve to know uh, that President Trump uh, and his advisors uh, didn't just ask me to pause. They asked me to reject votes, return votes, essentially to overturn the election. OK, and that is a rather dramatic uh, and highly relevant to what is coming up uh, in terms of President Biden's trial. President uh, <laughs> Biden's trial will be later. President Trump's trial will be first. Uh, and uh, what's fascinating is that President Trump's new attorney, whose name is John Lauro, he was on ABC addressing the Mike Pence factor. Uh, listen, clip 15. Mike Pence will be one of our best witnesses at trial. I read his book very carefully. And if he testifies consistent with his book, then President Trump will be acquitted for these reasons. Number one, Mr. Pence recognizes that John Eastman, who was giving legal advice, was a renowned legal scholar. Number two, Vice President Pence recognized that there were discrepancies and fraud in connection with the election. He wanted it to be debated on Capitol Hill. Mr. Trump wanted it to be debated in the state legislatures. But what, make no mistake about it, based on what Vice President Pence will say, the government will never be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that President Trump had corrupt or criminal intent. And that's what this case well, is what about. Mike Okay, this I'll say what's so wrong about that is the important distinction that he made about President Trump uh, saying he wanted the decisions to be made in the state legislatures. There's no basis for that. That's never happened. You don't send the votes back if you don't like them and have them set up at the state legislative level. Uh, it's ridiculous. And where uh, he says, well, the only difference was that Pence wanted to debate the validity of the uh, election totals in state by state and the allocation of the electoral votes wanted to debate that there in the joint session of Congress that he was presiding over. Yes, because that's what the 12th Amendment says you do. And uh, no, it is not uh, proper. And I don't think it's going to be uh, easy for Mike Pence to testify and say, oh, no, no, no. This was just a reasonable disagreement. Uh, certainly not when you read some of the statements that the vice president has made very clearly in opposition to that. Uh, meanwhile, there's further back and forth about uh, demands by President Trump that the upcoming trial, uh, the Washington trial from uh, Jack Smith, is uh, uh, should be moved. And moved to where? Moved... <laughs> <laughs> moved to West Virginia. 
And part of the idea is that with uh, Washington, D.C. having about 90 percent of the vote in Washington, D.C. going against President Trump and in West Virginia, 70 percent of the vote going for President Trump. I guess you can kind of understand why I'd rather have the trial and the jury pool from West Virginia. We'll be right back. Michael Medved show, uh, former President Trump says he's going to ask the judge overseeing his federal charges related to the 2020 election to recuse herself. And he wants to have the venue moved out of Washington, D.C. in order to get a fair trial. And he puts all in caps in, uh, on Truth Social, and he puts things all in caps when he really, really means it. And he says, there is no way I can get a fair trial with the judge assigned, and he puts a sign in quotes, to the ridiculous freedom of speech fair elections case. Uh, that's what he wrote on Sunday. Uh, we will be immediately asking for recusal of this judge on very powerful grounds and likewise for venue change out of D.C., he wrote. Uh, D.C. District Judge Tanya Chutkin, who was an Obama appointee, assigned to oversee Trump's federal election case, donated thousands of dollars to elect Barack Obama as president. Additionally, she ruled against Trump in another case related to the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot. Uh, she also was confirmed by the U.S. Senate in... Uh, 95 to nothing vote. There wasn't a single Republican who voted against her uh, confirmation. Uh, it says uh, that the Chutkin, uh, the judge, is well known for dealing out the toughest sentences on January 6th defendants, giving longer prison sentences than requested by prosecutors in more than 60% of those cases before her. Uh, Trump had said last week he wanted to uh, to be tried at an impartial venue such as a court located in nearby West Virginia rather than in Washington DC where the district citizens voted overwhelmingly against him it is unclear whether Trump's efforts to change the venue or the judge will succeed uh, no it's very clear that they will not succeed uh, because the idea that um, West Virginia which uh, has almost as lopsided a vote in the other direction as Washington, D.C., is more representative of what exactly? Uh, and, and the whole idea of uh, a venue is unless there is a very strong reason to assume you can't get a fair trial. Uh, you may remember that uh, actually the fourth of the police officers involved with the charges against the uh, killing of uh, George Floyd uh, has just been sentenced and uh, was sentenced to I believe it's five years that's because he wasn't personally involved in beating George Floyd but he was involved 
in preventing bystanders from uh, stopping that brutal killing. In any event, they tried to get that trial moved out of Minnesota, but uh, it's it's a very very remote chance that uh, that that this case is going to be either taken away uh, from Judge Chutkin or uh, that it's going to be moved to West Virginia. Uh, Chutkin wrote in one case where a January 6th defendant thought the jury would be biased against them that it was, quote, not an appropriate basis for changing venue uh, because it was the, the people of Washington, uh, people who lived in Washington, including the members of Congress, uh, who actually suffered from the alleged criminality of the demonstrators, the the rioters. Uh, she also said that instead of moving the case out of D.C., the biases should be addressed when selecting members of the jury, according to Forbes uh, magazine. Um, President Trump was told, and... This is one of those big stories that uh, actually is very predictable. It was very predictable when it came out. Uh, when he was arraigned and he pleaded not guilty, he was released on his own recognizances. He wasn't slapped into jail, as they could have done, but that was with an instruction from the presiding magistrate judge uh, Judge uh, Oxilla, I believe it is, she, uh, she had said, well, y you have to avoid commenting on the case or attempting to influence potential jurors or witnesses. And uh, <laughs> the idea that President Trump was going to follow those in instructions and uh, he, he was in Montgomery, Alabama, speaking at a barbecue of some kind, uh, an event to support his campaign in a state where he's very popular in Alabama. Uh, President uh, Trump had this to say about the chief official, the special prosecutor who is going after him right now. Uh, clip four. Deranged. Jack Smith, doesn't he look deranged? You see the picture with the purple robe? He's a deranged human being. We're getting stronger by the day. Somebody said, you should treat him nicer. Maybe he'd be nice. Let me tell you, this guy is a lost soul. Bad guy. Uh, and he went on. He also had uh, extremely negative things to say about uh, Judge Chutkin, uh, which... Uh, uh, which are uh, uh, fairly telling. Uh, by the way, President uh, Trump is speaking now in uh, New Hampshire and uh, saying, uh, well, let's listen in. Who's good? No, no, Christie's he's eating right now. He can't be bothered. Sir, please do not call him a fat pig. That's very disrespectful. Don't call him. See, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Don't call him a fat pig. You can't do it. You can't do that. So now, because you're not allowed to do that, and therefore uh, we're not going to do it, okay? We want to be very civil, right? So, the ladies... 
Okay, uh, this is, uh, again, uh, some of the highlights on the issues of the day. Chris how many more? Also. How much harder can they do it? I should have four by sometime next week. I never heard, you know, I went to the Wharton School of Finance. We never studied indictment. We never studied arrest. We never studied prison. These are sick people we're dealing with. Uh... And uh, the sick people are the people in law enforcement generally who have to deal with issues of crime. Does any of this relate to the crime surge we're going through right now? There's a lengthy and emotional report on CNN, of all places, about the crime surge in Oakland, California. Listen, clip 16. After living here her entire life. I can't take it anymore. I got to the point I was too scared to leave my house. Cook blames brazen assaults and robberies in broad daylight, break-ins, and home invasions across the city. As Oakland sees a surge in reported violent crimes this year compared to last. While homicides are down, robberies, burglaries, and rape are all up by double-digit percentages. Everyone we talk to says it doesn't matter your race, your income, everyone seems to be a target, including carjackings like this one. No! they're carjacking people at stop sign and my son is about to start driving the fact that i am being pushed out because i emotionally can't take it anymore is horrible but tony bird is staying she lives with a locked front gate and five security cameras bird says oakland so police recommended steel braces for residential doors and I mean, I air horns the idea is if you set it off, your neighbor would hear it, set theirs off, and more people are alert that there's danger. Uh, is there danger? Of course there's danger. And it's one of those things where there's been a talk about the Republicans and the Democrats together and commentators on all sides of the political spectrum who are running down American institutions, basically blaming things that are going wrong in cities across the country, uh, blaming that on the collapse of institutions. And the difficulty is that uh, right now, when you are, are dealing with the attacks on law enforcement, uh, from uh, Republicans who uh, are saying that uh, the uh, whole system of justice is, is unfair, that there's different treatment for the Biden family and for people who happen to be on the right. And when you have people on the left who are saying everything is racist and biased against people based upon their lack of privilege, it's a difficult thing to maintain confidence and hope for the future, which is appropriate for this greatest nation on God's green earth.